third lesson today comes from Paul's letter to the church in Rome, the fifth chapter, verses 1 through 5. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. This is the word of the Lord. That passage seems pretty straightforward, doesn't it? It's not too difficult to understand. It's right there in your face. It talks about how we've been saved through our faith and through what God has done in and through the life, the death, and the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It talks about how we've entered into this immeasurable experience of grace and love and mercy and joy and hope because of our relationship with God. It talks about how we praise God because of this peace and joy that salvation through faith has provided for us. And and all of this seems easy enough to deal with. That's stuff that that seems pretty normal for Christians to believe. And we should be excited to experience all of these things because of the faith that we have in and through our Lord Jesus Christ. And for the most part, Christianity, it's not all that difficult, especially when things are rolling smoothly and when you can see that peace and that joy all around you, when people are smiling and, and, and the waters aren't too turbulent. But then you've got these troubling verses that Paul gives to the church at Rome. Not only that, Don't just rejoice in the good times. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. Knowing that suffering produces endurance, endurance produces character, character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. How in the world are we supposed to rejoice in the midst of suffering? Why would we rejoice in the midst of suffering? Who rejoices when they are suffering? That's not normal. That's not easy, that's not fun, that's that's tough. That's tough, but that's what Paul seems to be telling the church at Rome, that this is what we do as Christians. How can Paul in good conscience tell this church in Rome to rejoice in the midst of their suffering when all around them the Roman Empire has that church under their thumb, no matter when or why or, or what's going on? For that matter, how are we supposed to rejoice in the midst of our suffering, whatever that may be? Be it something that we're struggling with as far as an addiction, be it death, be it a bad diagnosis, our job, whatever it is, we all struggle with stuff. How are we supposed to rejoice in the midst of that? And what might the world look like if we did rejoice in all things, in good times and bad times and ordinary times, at all times? I want to tell you all a story about a man that I knew, and I've known him since I was a little kid. We'll call him Fred, because Fred's not his real name. Have any of y'all heard the expression, if he didn't have bad luck, he wouldn't have any luck at all? Well, Fred is the very definition of this expression. Fred was in one of the churches that I grew up in. He was an usher. And most of the time when you saw Fred outside of the church, he'd have on a pair of worn-out overalls, some beat-up boots that looked like they were at least 65 years old, uh, possibly older than he was. And, And when he would come to church, he would get real dressed up. He would wash his overalls, and he would wear his nice flannel shirt with all the buttons on it. And he'd come in with those boots. He'd worship that way. He'd take up the offering that way. That was okay. 
No problem. Everybody knew that. You see, Fred had bad luck. And I don't want y'all to get the impression that because he dressed this way, he couldn't do better. He could. But this is what he liked. And because of his string of bad luck, it, it seemed like he thought those overalls might withstand life a little better than a nice suit, even inside the church. See, one day, Fred was in the woods. And he worked with the Forestry Commission, and, and he and a couple of his employees were there in the woods. They were cutting down trees. They realized they needed to run back into town for a second to grab some supplies. It was getting to be lunchtime, so his worker said, we'll, we'll go handle all that. We'll bring you something back. So they go into town to the little general store. It no longer sold gas, but it sold everything else the town needed uh, to keep you from having to go 30 miles down the road to the nearest grocery store. So Fred stayed there in the woods, kept cutting those trees while his employees went off to get what they needed. Some time went by. His employees were there in the general store. They were finishing up their hot dogs. They were good hot dogs at that store. And they saw Fred come stumbling in. And he was wearing those beat-up nasty boots, his underwear, and nothing else. Well, seeing that required an explanation. You don't just walk into the middle of the town hub like that in your underwear and your boots and not have a story to go along with it. So he began... We well, all went back to town to get lunch and whatever supplies we needed. Y'all left me there in the woods, so I figured rather than just sitting here, I'll keep on cutting these trees down. And I started smelling something, and I looked around, and my truck was on fire. And all the stuff that I could put the, the fire in the truck out with was in the truck. And so I had to take off my, my overalls and try to beat the fire out on the truck. And when I did, it ended up fanning the flame, and it made it bigger, and then my, my overalls went up in smoke. And I wasn't about to start stomping the fire out with my good boots. <laughs> Everyone in the store believed the story because this happened more often than he would like to admit. Not this exact sort of thing, but, you know, this was the sort of thing that would happen to Fred. The folks in the store figured that at some point Fred might have some sort of an emotional or, or mental meltdown. This just happened far too often to this man. But they noticed that as he was there in his boots and his underwear in the middle of the town, in the middle of this store, he was still smiling. And that got their curiosity up. They said, Fred, you just lost your truck and your overalls. Why are you smiling? And he said, well, as I was getting out of the woods, walking down the road, my stomach started to rumble a little bit. I realized I had missed lunch. And I was pretty sure by the time I got here, there wouldn't be any hot dogs left. And I see two of them right there behind the counter. Folks, those were good hot dogs. Those were really good hot dogs. And if he could get that excited in the midst of his circumstances, if he could rejoice over two hot dogs after losing his truck and his favorite pair of overalls, how much more should we be able to get excited about the Holy Spirit and that gift in our lives, regardless of our circumstances? Folks, those are the best hot dogs I've ever had in my life, and I love hot dogs. They were good. But they don't even start moving the thermometer in comparison to the gift of the Holy Spirit. It would have been easy for this Christian church in Rome during this time after Jesus had ascended to be with the Father to, to have just lost their faith. You know, Jesus wasn't there with them anymore. Not the way that he was before. And, and it would have been easy to go after other options that seemed more life-giving, that seemed easier, that seemed less threatening, less dangerous. There was a lot of risk. There was a lot of danger involved in being a Christian in Rome. Paul knew that. And he was still writing to this church anyway. See, there was plenty of suffering to go around. And Paul understood that when we choose to follow Jesus Christ, there will be days when we will be rejected just like he is. 
There will be days when, you know, people may not want to have a whole lot to do with us. There will be days when we experience bad diagnoses. There will be days when we go to work and we realize that our job has been outsourced. There will be days when it feels like we've been put on a cross. That's what we get. That's part of the deal. But God said he'll be with us through it. You see, in fact, if you're experiencing any of these sorts of things, it's probably a pretty good sign that you're doing the Christianity thing the right way. See, rejoicing doesn't mean that you're experiencing your faith in an easy way. Easy is fun, but easy doesn't build character. Easy causes you to smile, but I don't know that it makes you grow anymore. And if easy isn't building character, without character, who are you? See, some of the best Christians I know have experienced some of the most traumatic events I can imagine. And it doesn't mean that you have to experience these events in order to be a good Christian. But if you have experienced these types of sufferings and your faith has has brought you through it intact, you can be a tremendous witness to other people. Those people who have not yet gone in, in and through those sorts of events, or maybe even to those people who are experiencing those same sorts of events right now. See, most of the people that I know who have gone through these very trying times, they eventually found a way to smile, and by the grace of God and the power of the Holy Spirit, they found a way to rejoice in God. They found a way to praise God. It may have taken some time, but they eventually got there. They don't praise God because they had to go through these experiences. They praise God because God got them through them. They praise God because when they did walk through the valley of the shadow of death, the good shepherd was there with them. It walked in front of them. He, he walked behind them. He walked beside them. They praise God because when they did not have the words to speak to the God who made them because their heartache was so strong or because the moment was too sudden, that Holy Spirit is there it's breathing those sighs that are too deep for words to the very God that they cannot find the words to speak to themselves. See, Paul understood suffering. Paul understood what it means to hurt and to feel rejection. Paul knew what it meant to be homeless and without a friend around him. But thank God, Paul also knew what it was like to have that Holy Spirit stirring deep within his soul. Moving him from city to city to city, even across seas, to go to places and to bring the gospel to people who needed to experience it firsthand for themselves. Paul found a way regardless of his situation, in the good times, in the bad times, in the ordinary, everyday sort of times, to praise God. If there was ever a person who had a reason to not be at peace, this kind of peace that that Paul says you should be at, it was this man writing this letter to the church at Rome. See, he had done bad things in his life. He had murdered people. In fact, he was on his way to go bring some more Christians back to be charged for their belief when God got a hold of him. See, the Holy Spirit found its way in Paul's life and started transforming him and stirring him to live differently, to to, to live for God. And maybe even in the midst of whatever it is he goes through to praise God. And when it got a hold of this child of God and started using him to proclaim the kingdom of God, people listened. See, one of the great church fathers once said that God uses crooked sticks to draw straight lines. And I think that's especially true of Paul. And if it can be true of Paul, it can be true of any one of us. If you don't believe that you deserve God's love, if you don't believe that you are worthy of being called a child of God, let me assure you that you are. You are. It doesn't matter what you've done, who you are, where you come from, what you have, what you know, or who you know. God's grace, God's mercy, they're always there. 
They're always there for people who are ready to accept them, who are ready to find themselves in the presence of God Almighty. And let me tell you, folks, He's everywhere. And He's always waiting. He's waiting on us to turn back. He's waiting on us to ask for forgiveness and waiting on us to experience that transformative power of the Holy Spirit that we might be able to turn our lives back around towards the one who breathed life into our very beings. See, it's that same grace and mercy that allows us to rejoice today, tomorrow, and for all eternity. And we've received grace upon grace. It's endless. It never ends. We're being saved through our faith in Jesus Christ. We rejoice in all things, in all times. Because God's love has been poured into our hearts and will continue to be poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And there is absolutely nothing, if we continue to fan that flame, that can put that fire out.